Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back. This is Game Store Profits, the mashup of Geek and God. My name is Luke Navarro, and my name is Mike Perna. My friend, how are you doing? How's life in the on the East Coast? Things are good. Things are incredibly, incredibly cold. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I believe right now the temperature is reading somewhere around seventeen. Oh, uh, that's how- cold. However, I'm currently sitting in my apartment with the heat cranked up, and it's still a little cold, because <laughs> it is just, it is brutal cold out there, and I can only imagine what it's like for people where this is normal, because they're probably dealing with, like, negative 15, and I don't want to live in that world. Yeah, you know, I always feel bad, because I live in California, right? So, yeah, you I mean, do. We, and we do whine, and we do complain when it gets below freezing. I, uh, I believe there's actually... turn a little yellow, we don't like that. Uh, yeah, I believe there's actually a, a an internet video right now of some newscast out in California that's that's like throwing a, a hissy because it's you know 25. Yeah. Ooh. Well, uh, you know, and so I I do feel kind of bad uh, about any any time I complain, but we've just moved into this new house, right? And it has beautiful wood floors throughout the house. They're a wonderful thing. Yeah, they do. They look perfect, and, and you know, I just thought, wow, look how beautiful this is. They're so cold. <laughs> I actually went out and bought like house shoes, like Mister Rogers style. Oh no, you! Didn't. <laughs> I did so that my feet can be warm in this house. I I, I age like like thirty years when I bought those shoes. Do Do you actually like? I I I, want, I just have this image of you walking home and singing a little tune as you you take off your shoes. I don't sing, on, but I do. I do change the put shoes. Put on your other home. shoes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully our listeners are uh, are not buried in feats of snow. Um, but if you are, hey, more time to listen to Game Store Profits. How about that? Because uh, nothing says. Uh, waiting out the storm, like listening to us talk about random. Geek well, stuff. I mean, look, hey, if you're snowed in, in fact, I don't know. Have I ever told the story on this show of how I became introduced to gaming? I, I think you've hinted at it, okay, but I don't think so, there's ever been an actual story. So when I was probably like ten or twelve, somewhere in there, my aunt and uncle, or her aunt and her significant other, these things are always a little nebulous in my world. Uh took me skiing and we went up to Mammoth Mountain and we had a little cabin and we went to go skiing. We skied on the first day. We got back to the place and we woke up the next morning and the door was literally blocked by snow. So you were living in a cartoon. You know, and uh, so they, uh, but my, my uncle, uh, my cousin was there with me as well. He pulls out all these games and I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I knew what those games were because I would love to be able to go back and get those games and play them. But uh, the one that I remember, it was, um, it was a card game, but it was like a World War One or World War Two kind of a vibe. You'd set your various, you know, tanks and planes out and sort of magic the gathering style out on the, the battlefield, if you will. And you, you play back and forth. And if our super geeky listeners know what game that was, please let me know. But that was my very first exposure to gaming, uh, and the kind of gaming we talk about, at least, on this show. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense as to why you would also fall later in life would fall, you know, passionately in love with all things BattleTech. Right. Well, he was the same guy actually who connected me with BattleTech a little bit. Like once I Oh, there we go. Once he was like, "Oh, you love this stuff. Well, then let me tell you teach you about BattleTech." So yeah, there's there's something special about the 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 games and the people who get us connected into gaming, because I've I've had a lot of times lately where I've I've realized that I've been the catalyst for a bunch of people getting into certain games. <laughs> I'm the reason why a generation at our church now owns a card game called Once Upon a Time. Right. I'm the reason why several people have purchased uh, Munchkin. Mm-hmm. From Steve yep. Jackson Games mm-hmm. lately, yeah, you know, and it's, I a, think, it's a fun thing. I think, especially when we're talking about like the board games, right? Uh, these things hold up really, really well. Oh yeah, they do because they're simple, right? I mean, I mean, the, not, <laughs> some of these games are not simple, but they're um, they're tangibly simple, right? Right? They're they're you know, you might have an art style that looks a little silly. After a while, I think about, um, oh man, I just totally mind blanked. What was the game that you loved when you were a kid? You played with your dad? Hero Quest. Hero Quest. Okay, the art on Hero Quest is a little bit cheesy now. Oh, do not speak evil of Hero <laughs> Quest. I was just about to say, that game is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, but the basic gameplay is fine. You know, I mean, it's great. It's the same as it's always been. Um, so, you know, we were actually thinking on this episode, we would do something a little bit more positive. I feel like we've been a little negative. We've been a little heavy lately. I mean, granted, yeah. that's kind of because that's what's coming down the pipe behind right. us. And, you know, last week we had completely incoherence. But, uh, <laughs> we do apologize for that, folks. Uh, sometimes it happens. There's a reason. As I was posting that one up, uh, literally a couple, uh, well, just yesterday from the time we're recording right now, uh, there's a reason why I I pretty much named it sleep deprivation because I had been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could count on on one hand the number of hours I had slept that weekend, and so this is what you get. But you know, I think there's lots of people out there that are listening to us that can appreciate I, the I whole idea so. of f- focusing on something that you're really passionate about. And, you know, losing a lot of sleep over it. I think so. So we thought on this episode we would go back and do a little nostalgia fest. And talk about some of the things that we hold precious to us. Now, now what we're not talking about, though, is stuff we loved when we were kids and is kind of gone now. No, we, we did that episode already. We, we're not rehashing the same idea. Right. We want to find out the stuff that... Unlike the, what we already talked about, the stuff like your Thundercats and your He-Man and your G.I. Joe. He-Man. And the Oof. stuff that we loved when we were kids. And I, I, I will cite Voltron till the day I die. Voltron was amazing when I was a kid, and now it makes my eyes bleed. <laughs> um, but Toys are cool. The stuff that we go back to now that still... Has, you know, you got me. You got me going already with this Hero Quest because if you put a copy of Hero Quest in front of me right now, I would play that like it's going out of style. Well, and and you know, we we were discussing this kind of beforehand. We realized that there is this category of stuff, and I'm not going to just say it's games, not just movies, not just TV shows, whatever, but it's stuff, uh, culture stuff. Yeah, that 
uh, is so precious to us that we we collect it. Not stuff that we like look at often. Not stuff that you know. Hey, I want to watch this movie every weekend or whatever. But stuff that like we know is so important that we want to pass it on, and that someday we want our kids to be able to see this, to be able to play this, to be able to do this experience. And, you know, maybe they're not going to want to fall in love with it, but it's just something we want to share. It's almost like a family tradition or uh, some kind of family legacy, almost, uh, of our geekiness. And so we thought we might throw out some of those and just kind of talk a little bit about them and why they're important to us. Well, look, the the first one, it, you know, we'll, we'll softball this one. All right. Uh there's one thing that I know that I want to see happen. It's not something that I, I can do yet because Susan and I do not have kids yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but something that I want to see happen because obviously, I mean, all you have to do is look, listen back to prior episodes to find out that I expect that The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are going to be books that I read to my kids. And I know for a fact that there are several people out there that treat these books not just as, you know, icons to be looked at, but but literally I've lost track of the number of people I know who say, like, I read that to my kids or or when I was a kid, my folks read that to me. Like, I think that's your story, right? Like, you, you the had, Hobbit, yeah. like, The Hobbit and The mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings read to you when you were younger. Yeah, The Hobbit. I mean, that's, I want to do that. I want to, to read that stuff with my kids. Well, and I think there's actually more to it than that, uh, because I do have those books, like The Hobbit. And, like, when I bought The Hobbit, I bought the, like, really pretty uh, illustrated well, that, well, edition, yeah. right? You know, not the, like, hey, I'm going to read this on my Kindle edition. No, there are two. Everybody should have two copies of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. The one that you read and the one that you just look at. And... <laughs> It's like the you got the one toy in the box and the one toy out of the box. <laughs> it's the literary equivalent of the guest towel, Luke. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Um, but I also, and my kids have kind of realized this, is that I have a whole collection of books, not a huge number, but a decent-sized collection uh, that I've read already. And I am not the kind of person who reads a book twice. Mm. Okay? I very, very rarely do that. Um but we actually can can kind of get to that a little bit later in the conversation because I have something I do want to revisit. But uh, I have this whole shelf of books that my kids know is for them when they're old enough. Right. And there are all these books that were significant to me at various points in my life or whatever. And, you know, they're kind of getting – they're starting to work their way into those books now whether we're reading them to them or they are reading them themselves. And, uh, you know, it is, it really is about passing on our experiences and passing on our, our, the, the things that shaped us and made us understand the world the way we understand it. Um, you know, okay. So you softballed, I'll softball too. How about that? Sounds like a plan. Uh, my birthday is coming up in about a week and a half. And we, uh, you know, you, when it's your birthday, you get to decide, how things go. Well, well, yes, this right. is fairly traditional across pretty much everybody I've ever met ever. Right. And you get to decide where you go for dinner. You get to decide what the entertainment is. You get, you get to figure these things out. Well, typically I would go out for dinner or have one of my favorite meals prepared. But this year I told my family what I want to do is order some pizza, 
get a bunch of junk food, and sit down with my family, get all pajamaed up, get under the blankets, and watch, for the first time for my kids, Star Wars A New Hope. And, mm, you know... That sounds spectacular. Doesn't it, though? I mean, like, this is... Uh, and, and my kids have not want to watch this because they think it's scary. But, you know, I'm super excited to sit down with them and let them see, you know, C-3PO. Let them see R2-D2. Let them, uh, you know, uh, check out Chewbacca for the first time. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just to kind of... And and I know that visually it's not like amazing, but I think the story and that movie holds up. And uh, you know, I'm sure it's just about everybody out there who's listening to this show probably has that same dream, you know, or maybe has already even done it with their kids, you know. Uh, but uh, that that one for me is is big. Uh, though I'll tell you what, I've had a couple experiences like that that were absolute fails. I thought they oh, were gonna yeah? be cool, but they were fails. Okay, you got you got to share that. All I mean, right, you can, so you have both sides uh, I think coin. the ones, two of them that stand out the most, are the Flintstones mm. and Looney Tunes. Really, Looney Tunes? I I know. Like my kids were like, I don't get this. What's happening? Um, and. You know, one thing that I realized is that, that my kids, at least, and maybe all TV shows now for kids, I don't know, um, they're very plot-driven shows. Oh, yeah. Whereas Looney Tunes are just, you know, they're Random vignettes. They're, right. They're, um, they're sketch comedy, essentially. Yeah. They're, and, only, they're only designed to be a couple minutes long right. and, and my kids get, just get to the slapstick. Didn't get it. Um, and then, of course, the Flintstones. The Flintstones was different. That is essentially a sitcom, um, but the the sort of the tropes of the Flintstones were so kind of that fifties vibe, you know. That right. My kids were just like, "What's happening here? I don't get it. He's going bowling. What?" <laughs> um, well, that that is one thing that that's going to be interesting to see in future generations, like. Uh, an entire generation of cartoons have been making references to pop culture that right. people aren't going to get anymore. Like, the stuff that really was passe and kind of out there when we were kids, but there was somebody who could come along and say, well, this is this guy. Like, I remember when, you know, Looney Tunes would make references to guys like Al Jolson. Yeah. Dude, I barely knew who that was. Right. And and it was exactly because my dad would sit there and be like, oh, yeah, that guy did this and this. And I'm right. like, oh, okay, that, now that makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think uh, those were fails. Uh, I do have some things that are lined up, though. Obviously, I said Star Wars. The Princess Bride. Um, the Princess Bride is a requirement. Yeah, I bought that, and uh, I have that just waiting. I think it's probably still wrapped. Um but yeah, I have it so that when it's time, they can they can watch that. As a movie, I I watched like I don't know, probably a hundred times during my childhood, if not more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, but you know, those are the kind of things where, uh, you know, that's easy. Movies, easy. Books, easy. But there's some stuff that I wonder about. You know, like how. I I wondered like if my kid sits down and plays Pac-Man, 
Like, are they going to think this is fun? Yeah. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can definitely, I can definitely appreciate that. There are certain things that, that, uh, I've seen. And there are certain things that even now I try to get people into. Like, again, I, I have taken gaming in my own existence and it's become a major thing. It, it started out just as a, as something to do in my spare time because it's fun and has really become this, uh, like almost like a personal quest of mine to try and get people around a table, uh, just due to the the continual stress and and focus on so much gaming to be online, like super connected while completely being disconnected. Like my my personal quest to get people around a table and actually make people interact. Um, I discovered that, you know. It, even now that kind of falls flat and I wonder sometimes if, if I get these these games that I want to share with my kids and I want to share like um, I'm very thankful that my wife is is becoming a, a major gamer and even then she's kind of a major gamer so like, she, like today she's like I think I want to play a game and this of course filled me with joy and and wonder. Uh, but then we actually didn't. We ended up not gaming at all because she ended up crocheting a baby blanket for uh, her sister who's pregnant. And and then I just we just watched episodes of The West Wing, which in and of itself was good. Yeah. But like I I vividly remember like it was back in the day when all I knew of gaming was like the Hasbro generation, like your your Hasbro and Milton Bradley. Right. With, you know, your Monopoly, your Parcheesi, your Sorry, and all that stuff. But I vividly remember sitting down with my family and playing games and playing cards and and all this stuff. And there are times when I wonder if, you know, when I have kids, am I going to be able, like, it, um, I, I, getting a copy of Hero Quest is out of the question. I'm not spending $200 on a board game. <laughs> They've got to re-release it eventually. <laughs> I really hope they do. Can I, can I, if there's anybody out there listening who you know loves Jesus and has connections to board gaming, bring back Hero Quest. Um, but if, like, say if I, I've equated this game called Mice and Mystics to that same experience, if I got that and my kids didn't want to play it, or my kids just are like, "This is boring," I, I don't know. There's it, it, it's a bit of a risk, really, when you think about it, putting this stuff out there that you love. Because if, if my kids hated gaming, oh, it would, it would hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. My kids aren't old enough to get to that point where they hate the things that you love, you know? For the most right. part, my kids are still at the point where it's like, hey, we want to do everything with you. Right. and uh, It's a wonderful age. Right, and so, you know, they do want to play board games. They do want to play card games uh, with us, and, you know, but... The truth is, is that even at this point in our life, we don't have too much of that time. Um, you know, just because it's just not part of our culture anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, like, who who sits around and plays cards and drinks a cup of coffee and, and hangs out at night when you've got 300 channels to watch and phones in your hand that any whim of thought that enters into your brain can all of a sudden be some, you know, you can go off and do. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, I, I maybe mentioned that in this new house, 
the kids now have their own, own entertainment system. And it's like, I don't even see them. I, I mean, I do, but it feels like I don't see them as much as I used to because they're off in their, their playroom doing their thing. And they that's normal. to watch their things and play right. their games. And... and that's normal. They're growing up, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, the whole idea of the family game night, you know, uh, which obviously is just a, a way to sell board games. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's a cool idea. No, and that that kind of gets me back, kind of bringing this whole idea of the, the timeless thing. Like, there there are so many of these games that I I will always come back to. Now, granted, a lot of my games are from the last probably the la- from the probably the last decade or so. Um, but I I will we you and I have both talked about old school times sitting around the table playing D and D, right? I. It, provided I have people around me that are willing to play, I will be playing D&D when I'm like 70, 80, 90, as long as I can read small numbers. Uh, you know, that, that, that game for me is timeless. That game for me is something that I will continue to want to play because, because of partly the nostalgia of it, partly the fact that I've been playing this game since I was like 16... And and partly just the fact that it's so amazing this being wrapped up in this this world of magic and awesomeness and and just greatness. Like I I play all these other games and I, and I think actually one thing that is really affecting me is the fact that D and D isn't necessarily my go to role playing game anymore. But it's still every once in a while I'll still be like you know what. I really want to just get back and roll a dwarf and get back into the land of Faerun and and just go to town. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, it's I I just I want to read a monster manual. Yeah, I have a couple monster manuals. Um, but I've actually thought about this. Thought about like, okay, well, what would I do to introduce my kids to gaming? You know, kind of the way that my uncle did for me. And I think it'll be magic. Okay. Because it's, it is pretty accessible. You mean Magic the Gathering? Yeah, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> um, uh, because it's pretty accessible. And, I mean, obviously we'll probably do board games that are the kind of middle ground board games. You yeah. Know, your uh, Catan, Carcassonne, uh, Ticket to, Ticket to ride. ride, that kind of thing. Um, and, but in terms of, like, geeky gaming, I think it's probably going to be magic. Um, speaking of, <laughs> uh, so, I don't, we, we've been moving, right? And weird things happen when you move. You find things that you didn't know you had. Oh, yeah. And do you remember Vampire the Masquerade? Of course I remember Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, it was a role-playing game. Uh, but apparently it was also a card game. Yes, it was. And I had like a full set of cards for this game. Nice. It was also a video game, by the way, for those of you playing at home. Was it? Uh, I remember the. I definitely remember the, the role-playing game, because we played the role-playing game. Oh yeah, uh, I yeah yeah. That was one of like the big three that we played. We played Vampire, was, we played D and D, and we played Star Wars. 
uh, just because I I have to be a Wookie. <laughs> I, I remember I remember back in the day it was D, it was you were either playing D and D, Star Wars, Vampire, or uh, White Wolves, uh, Werewolves of the Apocalypse, or something, whatever they called it. I, I do kind of remember that one. Um, Shadowrun was Shadowrun D and D. No, Shadowrun is its own thing. So yeah, Shadowrun we played every once in a while, as well. But uh, you know, it's just so strange to go back through your stuff and be like, oh, hey, I remember all this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that like a card game or some, it, it, if it's not magic, it'd probably be magic, but something like that, I think would probably be the way that I introduce these things to my kids. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think it's something that's going away. I really do because of the internet, because we don't need to sit around tables anymore to play games. Uh, and that's kind of sad. Well, Yeah. But and that that's kind of why we want to do this is because of the fact that there's going to be guys like us who who don't want these things to fade out, who who constantly come back to these things. Like I I can literally point to books, movies, games, both video and uh, board game and card game that I will constantly go back to to this day. I mean, there are some things that I've played and and seen when I was a kid, that I will continue to go back to. Um, one of the things that's kind of on the list of of things I want to share with my wife that were part of my childhood, part of my existence that she's never even heard of, um, was a little movie called The Black Cauldron. I and don't think I remember that, but it's kind of a vague title, so... It... It's The Black Cauldron, uh, if you haven't seen it, is if you ever have a, tri- a bit of trivia... Um, about lesser-known Disney princesses, the 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 princess from the the Black Cauldron would be one of them. There's a Disney movie called The Black Cauldron. Yes. Okay. And it's basically about if I tell you the plot, you're you're gonna deny that this is an actual movie. <laughs> um, the the Black Cauldron is basically this this, this evil is kind of taking over, and they need to they. Somebody needs to rise up and fight against it, and part of the the the, the kind of the prophecy of, of taking this epic evil beast down is a magical pig uh, who tells the future by sticking its nose into into bowls of water. What? Um, <laughs> I I trust me, dude. I, if I explained it to you, it, it would only sound weirder. Uh, they're one one of the it's one of my favorite little characters in all of of these little Disney cartoons is this guy named Gurky. He's this tiny little furry dude who uh, who sounds like like part golem, part Elmo. <laughs> and, uh, and so imagine imagine Gollum and Elmo and make them one, and then you have Gurky, <laughs> and, and it's just so great. And and that's I I I recently found it on DVD and I'm gonna I'm, I will I've watched this all the time, and and e- yes it is a little bit cheesy but it's not I will watch this so many times over it's so great. So yes, the Black Cauldron. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia this. right now and I have no idea what this is. <laughs> None. I mean I do not. How do you not know a Disney movie? But, oh, it's it's very few people know it. It was back in that age before it was post Snow White and all that, that the truly epic 
but before they got into what they're doing now. It's that, that lost middle period of Disney movies. Yeah, well, apparently uh, it was between The Fox and the Hound and The Great Mouse Detective. Right. Which is the, basically the nether re- regions of Disney. I remember The Great Mouse Detective is another one that I did share with Susan, uh, because that was the first movie I went to see in theaters when I was a kid, was The Great Mouse Detective. Really? That's awesome. Uh, you know, I just realized another one that kind of doesn't really count because it is still popular, but that I've purchased because it was really, really precious to me, and that is Charlie Brown. Oh, absolutely. Oh, come on. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, has been a, a pivotal part of my childhood since forever. Yeah, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and the Garfield Halloween special. Oh my goodness, the Garfield Halloween special. That, I remember back in the day when Garfield used to be a cartoon that you'd watch on television. Yeah, you know, uh, I have I have uh, I have both of those, and uh, my kids watch them every year for probably months leading up to Halloween, and uh, so that's definitely one of those things that, you know, I'm really into cartoons. Oh, um, I and, and I'll tell you, been uh, a huge proponent of cartoons forever. And you know, we did mention I, I don't remember an episode ago or a couple episodes ago. The, the atrocity that is He-Man. Oh, it's and so bad. And just the fact that this could possibly have ever been on television is <laughs> mind-blowing. The first uh, TV show that was solely created to uh, sell put toys. out cartoons. <laughs> or to put out toys, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, it's this interesting thing, right? Because uh, I mentioned just a couple minutes ago that my kids have their own entertainment thing, right? Right. And we have been very restrictive on what they can watch. Well, when they're when they're as young as your kids are, that's understandable. Right. And, you know, we've got the whole, like, parental things going and all of that. But there's a channel called The Hub. Yes. And everything on The Hub is either old or a remake of something uh, old. Right. And so now my kids are watching all of these things, and it's a little bit less me because they're girls, but these things that were big when we were kids. And you just kind of look at that and go, uh, you know, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, uh, they're, they're very into My Little Pony. And obviously there are marketing forces behind all this that are trying to bring back these things and sell more stuff. But Hey, we live in a world where bronies are a thing. You know... What's a brony? <laughs> I can't believe you have not you've not experienced bronies. Bro, when when they brought back My Little Pony in the form of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yes. Uh, apparently, they started to discover a disturbing trend. While it's clearly made for for younger kids and specifically girls, while not limited to girls. Um, they discovered that a core piece of their demographic were guys in their mid-20s to mid-30s. I'm going to let that sink in. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> these these guys were labeled bronies. And that's, next a, that's another thing you can look up after we're done here. You can look up the Black Cauldron and you can look up bronies because bronies are all over YouTube. They They own a significant portion of YouTube landia. Well, well, uh, yeah. Moving along. 
<laughs> so I wonder, are there cartoons that you want to show your kids? Oh, I have, I have been straight out there with the fact that I own Voltron because I want to share it with my kids. Okay. That, I think, is probably going to miss. For your kids, possibly. I yeah. mean, I... I I just Voltron is weird. Oh yeah, of course it is. I mean, you had to be in the '80s, I think. Right. I I will say that uh, one thing that I that falls more into the I would still watch this today, and I know for a fact I would still watch it today, uh, because I did because <laughs> I found out that it's on Netflix and I watched all of them. I, I when I bought Voltron, I watched like a handful of episodes before it hurt. <laughs> And and I realized I bought this for future generations. I did not buy this for me. This I, is posterity, you know, I, I, right? I'm holding on to this for the future. I sat down and marathoned the entirety of Robotech. You know what? I never watched Robotech. I marathoned it. It was it, uh, I all of of Robotech Macross. I watched the lot of it. Just, just one after the other after the other, and I'm just like, oh, it's Robotech. <laughs> and then uh, a couple friends of mine came over for dinner, not sh- you know, like the next day, and they saw that it was on my recently watched, and and their kids are like, can we watch Robotech? I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Please watch it. <laughs> nice. I'm like infecting the next generation. Robot jets. <laughs> Uh, you know, I do have some, and of course, you have to realize, I have girls, so yes, you m- my opinion is a little different, um, but uh, when we got this this new channel, The Hub, and uh, and my, basically my kids were saying, Dad, are there more shows that we can watch? Uh, I went looking to try to find shows from my childhood that I thought would be appropriate. I have a nine and six-year-old, which she's going to be seven here in a, uh, three days. But so I have a nine and a seven year old, uh, and I'll tell you the, the shows that I looked for: uh, Gummy Bears. Yes, bouncing here and there and everywhere. Okay, and if you guys think that I'm lame because I love the Gummy Bears, screw you. No, no, <laughs> I promise you, I have looked at our core demographic, and the second that I said bouncing here and there and everywhere, I promise you, I know that there are people out there that right now are fighting the urge to sing this song. song. Unless they're actually yeah. singing it. You know, there is no shame in singing that song. Uh, DuckTales. Awoo. <laughs> <laughs> and Animaniacs, specifically Pinky and the Brain. Of course. So yeah, those are the, uh, those are the cartoons that, that I really wanted to pass on because, like you said... I went back and thought about a lot of the cartoons I watched when I was a kid, and was like, "Oh no, no!" Right? Oh, there, there are some that are. Just, uh, you know, we were talking at work the other day about some of the ones that that just kind of popped up and then just disappeared. Like, oh, we were there's about, so many. There were so many. Uh, we were talking about like Silverhawks and biker mice from Mars. And <laughs> there's so many just bad. Uh, what was the one that made uh, Cowboys of Moo Mesa? And oh that, yes, yes, yes! They are space oh. cowboys who are actually cow people. Yeah. Cowboys of Mumesa. Oh my goodness! All right, but now come on, we're we're, we're we, kind we of are drifting slipping. off course. We're drifting off course we into are. the. And I want to do it really some bad. more, but we won't. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not going back to that land of this is really cheesy and really bad, but we love it anyway. We're we're focusing in on the timeless. 
there there are some things that have kind of transitioned either by by getting a reboot or anything like I've I've heard great things about the new team Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the TV show though I haven't watched it myself and the turtles for me are something that's timeless and and if Dude, it wasn't I I can't uh, even so, tell you how much of my childhood was completely defined by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys oh yeah we must have had like fifty pounds I mean that I mean that you you can't even measure it, in other words, just in pounds of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Like, whoever thought of that was a genius. I didn't have that many of the toys, uh, but my buddy did. And I went over to his house a lot. Yeah, well, that's what it was, right? You had, like, your small army, and your buddy had their small army, and everybody kind of get together, and just like, yeah. Mom, oh, yeah. can I go over to Billy's house? Yeah, can I take 15 turtles with me? <laughs> Oh, the, the crazy thing was is that I I vividly remember um, the first time when I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic book. Oh, the comic and book's jacked up. The comic book... It's not for yeah, kids. I, I, I was not well, there, prepared. There's probably a for kids version now, but... I was not prepared for the comic book. I, I love it now. Oh my goodness, do I love it now. But there is some stuff in there that children should not say. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because the, the the child version, you realize that these guys are swinging deadly weapons, but right. they never actually use them. They're they're well, and if they do, it's a bump thwack kind of a thing. Yeah, they're they're more for defense and uh, hiya. Yeah. No, no. In in the in the comic book, they use them. And they use them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, are there toys that either you've kept your own versions of? Or you kind of hope they remake, or are there toys that were uh, that you'd like to pass on to your kids? I know of one that that I won't pass on to my kids, but I think it would be kind of cool if I did. And that is, of course, the big wheel. Big wheels. There are no big wheels anymore, probably because they were horrifically dangerous. But, <laughs> but like, dude, every one of us, man, we like haul butt down the road on those things. Uh, you know, doing the little 360 twists and stuff like that. Uh, oh, yeah. I would say for me, probably the only thing... Because toys have gotten so much cooler. They really have. Um, the only thing I think that would be something that I would share yep. that I played with as My a kid that stuff. is timeless and will always be is the Nerf. Anything Nerf. Hard to have Nerf stuff, by the way, when you have a Labrador Retriever. I vividly remember having a Nerf arsenal. <laughs> You play with those Nerf things for a day. When, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Before the the, <laughs> the dog destroys them. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of want to transition now just to the, the whole idea of, of the timeless. When it comes to... I don't know, just, just the way we see everything. The way we see existence. The way we... Because it's, it's right about that time, Luke, when we, we do the whole wrap it up. Are we there already? See, this is a fun conversation. We just keep going. Oh, we can, one. we can. But there's going to be some people who are be will be upset with us if we don't, you know, spin this and turn it around. <laughs> well, I do think that there is an obvious spin. Of course. And, and just like we share all the things that we love, we share our faith. And, you know, how do we go about doing that? What What elements of our faith are really precious to us that we want to pass on to our kids? Um... Obviously, we want to pass on the whole of our faith to our kids, but 
but like with anything, we have things that are slightly more precious to us than other elements of it, uh, just because of our personality, our interest, or whatever. Well, I I know for me, one thing that's going to be... I don't know, kind of kind of pivotal to me, and and I'm not alone in this. Is I'm I'm not you know breaking new ground or anything on this, but just it's been something that I've kind of been thinking about a lot lately. Is the fact that that I I kind of grew up around church. Um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 17, but I at the same point I did kind of grow up around church, but it never made that connection with me because there was no one coming alongside me to explain why we do this. There was a lot of, we do this because we're supposed to, or we do this because, you know, God's awesome. But nobody explained to me why God was awesome. They just said that he was. And, uh, I don't know, there's, there's part of me that really wants to, to make sure that I take time to really kind of bridge that gap with my kids. Because... Obviously, the way we we see things changes. The the theology books that are coming out now are not the same as the theology books that came out back in the day, um, and and that that it fits because it's the way people connect with God, and we're we're different than those folks were. But I don't that 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 idea of really just making this more than than the stuff that we do, and the idea that we're in this together, I, that. As far as I continue down this whole faith journey, that's something that's been been huge for me. It's this idea of of God as part of our community, that that we're not we're not designed to do this by ourselves. That that God has never called us to do this by ourselves. I think that's kind of why the whole board game thing has been kind of a to to not ruin it with a bad analogy. It's kind of been a bug up my butt lately because I I just feel like the we're the most heavily connected people in existence who struggle so much with actual human connection. You know, I, I really do agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we all say these kind of things, but I'm really starting to feel it. Uh, you know, we all say on an intellectual level, oh, well, you know, the internet's great. It connects us with the whole world, but we got to also remember to hang out with our friends uh, but it's one thing to say it; it's another thing when you start to really feel it, when that 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 itch kind of gets into you, and you realize something is missing, something is wrong, and I need to do something about it. Um, and and I think that that I I am currently feeling that. Um, but you know, it it is really sad because uh, I think about like I I'm like you; I didn't grow up in the church. But I did grow up in community. Um, we there was a band of probably ten families, maybe, that were connected through all of these different things, right? Sports, school, uh, you know, artistic stuff, whatever. And so we all kind of grew up together. We all kind of lived our life together. And you know, you you kind of went to each other's houses and and. Um, we're starting to form that now around us. Um, but I realized that, you know, for me, that wasn't a spiritual thing. But I would really like that to be a spiritual thing for our kids. Yeah, and there's just there's, there's just something about the, the, the story element of, of Scripture 
And like one of the, one of the things that you know, I work primarily with with high school and junior high right now. And there's this this idea of of disconnect, this idea of of the scriptures being boring, and everybody fights that at some point. Heck, I've spent the better part of my existence studying this book, but I still remember a time when somebody put one in front of me and saying, "I don't want to do this." Right. But uh, what what kind of makes that connection has always been the the story. It's always been the connecting the stuff that we don't remember is actually in here. Like, um, we were talking about Ehud, the left-handed assassin, which is always my go-to, I can't believe that's in the Bible story. And I'm just looking as these teenage guys are like, like, what, what? It, tell me about, tell me about this guy, the left-handed assassin. And I'm like, dude, this is like something out of a video game. He like goes in and he stabs this, this king and the, the the king is is so big that the the blade actually gets stuck in there, and they're like, oh man, it's all the other teenage guys. They're like, oh man, that's crazy. I'm like that's in your Bible, and you know I think a lot of times we we forget that there's there's all this crazy stuff in there, and and there's good stuff and there's bad stuff and there's hard stuff and there's awesome stuff and there's that 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 God has taken so much of of what Scripture is and just made this such a a wonderful experience. And I think so much we get caught up in the rules and we get caught. God didn't give us a list of rules. I mean, yes, there are some guidelines for holiness in there, but He wrapped up these guidelines for holiness amidst story, and so much we forget that. Well, and I think that that what you're saying right now really points out something significant and that is that we each approach god not in a unique way but in a specific way oh yeah and that part of our witness part of our evangelism part of our living out our faith is making that way known okay so the, you maybe one of the major ways you connect with god is through the idea of story oh that yeah oh yeah absolutely and, and so when you are talking with people, and you don't have kids yet, but I'm sure that when you do have kids, they will understand from you that one way you can connect with God is through story. Mm -hmm. So I look at my two kids, and we've been talking about kids here, but really, if, you, if you're living your life, kids just have the best view of you than anybody well, and else. Well, kids does. also have the benefit of not really not having gained that social filter that the rest of us have. Right. And but but everybody sees you and the more you live your life out, the the more people will respond to you in in a similar way that your kids do. So I, I have again two daughters. Um and they respond to God differently. My youngest daughter, um she is very, it's almost hard to describe what I mean, but she is a little bit mystic and a whole lot explorer. Okay, She wonders, she questions, she kind of tries to go after the deep things of God. Okay, uh, In the same way that for me, I am always digging through scripture. Uh, you know, I always want to know right. what's behind this, what's deeper, where where can I go, what does this mean? 
my older daughter picks on another side of me. She is the mythological side, and I'm not saying scripture is mythology, but she is the the kid who likes to enter the fae. She's the one who who lives in this world of dreams and imagination and I love and hanging big out with these kids. Sort of moving <laughs> drama in life. And so that's the way she sees the scripture. She sees God. And those are both reflective of me because those are you take those two, put them together, and you have me. And uh so in a way I have passed down my faith to my kids uh, because they just absorb it from us. And so in the same way that, uh, you know, my, my daughter might love folklore and mythological creatures and fantasy creatures because I do. And the other daughter loves video games and, and puzzles and stuff like that because I do. I'm also able to pass down my approach, my experience with God to them. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that you say that because I there's so much of of how I come to experience God that can also be tied into experiences that I've had since oh, of course. forever. Um, I well, well, yeah, it makes sense, but there there's a specific thing that I'm going for here. Uh, I I remember when I was a kid, like I I came into this whole. Uh, fantasy kind of over the top craziness. I've, I've come into this early and honestly. Um, I, like I said, I I've shared oftentimes on this podcast that, uh, when I was a kid, my folks would take us to, right. to Renaissance fairs like every summer. Um, I, I have been fed so much stuff about like the Arthurian legend and, and all this stuff, um, and and even even when it comes to science fiction too, like my uncle uh, shared with me all this like Asimov and Douglas Adams and and all this this sci-fi craziness as well. And so it it affected the way I saw everything, and I started doing things like like making up these fictional characters, and I started coming up with everything. And there's there's a quote from George MacDonald. My favorite preacher in the history is, of the world. Is, oh my goodness, he's fantastic! And what, this quote, I randomly decided that I was going to look up quotes from him. Like, like there, I've read a number of books from him, but like almost anything you're experiencing, you can find a good George McDonald right. quote for. George McDonald had this quote: uh, "It's not that fairy tales prove that dragons exist; it's that they can be defeated." Mm. And so much of why I, I I get into certain things as far as fiction goes is is also is tied into that as well. It's tied into why I can do things like you know the thing that gives you the chills. I read H.P. Lovecraft, and H.P. Lovecraft is is horror in its truest form. It's it's not it's not it's gore and guts. It's the unknown and 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 old and ancient and mysterious it's it's staring into the abyss and people ask me like how can you do that as a christian and i go it's easy because my god is bigger than cthulhu i i don't fear him because 
I know that even if as a, a throw it out there, even if Cthulhu were real, he's not. By the way, in case you're still wondering about my sanity, <laughs> but but even if he was, my God is bigger. It's not that he exists. It's not to prove that this kind of evil exists. It's not to prove that the monsters of our past, you know, are real. I I, I play games with with. And I play games, I tell stories, I immerse myself in movies and all that stuff that have things like like wizards and zombies and werewolves and all this stuff. Not to prove that those things are real, not to fear those things, but I'm so cognizant all the time of the fact that none of that stuff matters because my god is so infinitely bigger. And, and it's tied back to old times when dad would take us to movies, where dad would, would tell us stories, and he'd be like, this isn't real. If, if, you, if you saw something like this in real life, it would be ridiculous and awful. This isn't real. Let me tell you what real is. And, yeah, so much of, of how I come to God now is tied up. You know, talk about that whole timeless aspect. It is tied up in the fact that I don't fear boogeymen. I, I don't fear monsters. I'm I'm curious and I'm fascinated. Uh, I read Lovecraft not to to in praise of some stupid tentacle monster. I I read it because I'm curious as to the fact of how people deal with that unknown, that mis that mystery, that ridiculousness, not knowing God. Because if I didn't know God, I'd be scared to death of that. Because it's not. It's not the monster, it's the knowledge that there is something out there that is beyond explanation. That terrifies you in H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know, man. I know God. And you're scared And I'd be afraid of weeping angels. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that just makes sense. That's just... That's, that's a completely different animal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think though that the 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 heart of this episode is, and the heart of this show is, take what you love and share it. And uh, you know, we've gone so far as to collect the things that we love, so that we always have them, and we can pass them on to our next of kin, but also. <laughs> Uh, to our friends and to our family and to the people you're trying to get to sit around the table or the people that are, you know, hanging out with me or whatever. And in the same way, you know, we really want to share our faith because it's important to us and because it defines us. And, uh, you know, if there is anything at all that is timeless in this world, it's Jesus. I... Uh... Luke, I kind of shared with you before we were planning things of this episode and where we were going, and I, for some reason, I don't know if it's directly because of, of Game Store Profits or just because this is kind of where I find myself, uh, God kind of really stepped it up when I was sitting there. Oddly enough, when I was sitting there in youth group, um, I got distracted from the Bible study we were doing by another verse, which always makes it interesting. Like, am I... Am I following God or am I just bored and I want to try something else <laughs> but um I found myself in 1 Corinthians 9 and 
there's so many great passages in this. This is this is Paul kind of defending his ministry. And uh, I I love I love this idea of him basically saying I will do whatever it takes. There's this notion of it's it's a requirement. It's not that I share the gospel because I should. I share the gospel because there is nothing else in me that would allow me to do anything else. And it's the fact that he he pretty much says that he is willing to mold himself to fit whatever he's at. Um, this is this is the the kind of the passage. And I actually, you can tell I I've been creating this this cool art project, which I'm sure I'll, I'll probably end up posting on Game Store Profits when it's all done. Uh, but I've just, so I I have this passage out in front of me, and I I just I I just want to we don't do a whole lot of outright scripture reading on here because we're usually talking more generic and more out there, but for some reason. This has just been such a big deal for me, and it's so tied into why I do Game Store Profits and why we come together to do this. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, I'm going to start in verse 20. I'm just going to real, just real quick just run through this. And if you really – this is kind of going back into the timeless aspect because even back in the day, when, especially when Paul wrote to, to guys like Timothy, he said, always be out there just sharing the word of God. Do not be ashamed of the public reading of Scripture. One thing I always tell people, and this is, this is again, me coming in at it from the story guy element. Uh, if you guys are listening out there and you're in a place where you're not, like, at work or behind the wheel of a car, um, if you're just sitting there listening to us, just close your eyes right now and try to find yourself in this place. What this, Just listen to the words and really hear them for what they are. Um, in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all... I made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under, under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in the in its blessings. Dude, so much of this stuff is is not just sharing because it's cool. I mean, there is that aspect. There's that idea of of just this is cool, and I like the proliferation of cool. But so much of why we do this and so much of why we tell the stories that we tell, we play the games we play, we watch the things we watch, it's we share them because we get passionate about it. We get passionate about it and we have to share it with people. And I love the fact that we do this podcast and we get geeks out there and we mobilize geeks to do the will of God because you're never going to find a more passionate people. So... If, if there's anything that I kind of want to bring into this whole episode is this notion that as, as we go through our day-to-day, as we have this cool stuff, yeah, we should be sharing it just for the sheer action, the, the sheer activity of sharing it, but there's this constant understanding that we do everything to God's glory. And so, yeah, I totally, I will become a geek that I might win geeks. And 
and I might dress up in cons so that I might win some of those who dress up in cons. And, you know, insert random geeky reference here. I, I just... It's something that's really kind of been put on my heart, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that the reason that I'm sharing this now is because kind of God wants me to put it out there. Uh, if not, then it's just me, and I'm it's just the way things are. But... I don't know, like, what are the ways that, you know, we got, we constantly ask you guys at the end of these episodes to kind of give us feedback. I would love to hear the ways that you guys are out there kind of using this stuff that you're passionate about so that you might introduce people to Christ, so that you might share with people what it means to follow after God. Absolutely. We, we'd love for you to uh, connect with us. And share, Mike, how can they do that? And then how can they find out what you're passionate about? Uh, right now, pretty much my internet experience is all wrapped up in Game Store Profits. Um, you have, if, if you go on our Facebook page, I'm 99% of what you'll see on there is just the random geeky stuff that I find across the internet. Um, so that's uh, facebook.com slash Game Store Profits. If you happen to write us an email at gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. I'm the guy who answers that. Uh, pretty much I've fallen off the map as far as it comes to to Twitter and all this other stuff. I I, I pretty much have, have lost some kind of social media cred, though I am one of the guys still shouting in the distance, shouting in the wilderness, uh, saying that Google Plus is a valid thing and we should all get on it. I, I, I'm vainly trying to get that to happen. I, I do occasionally get some random emails like, Mike Perna has put something on uh, Google+, and I kind of say I don't really care. Yeah, that that's common. But, uh, yeah, that uh, there's also uh, Perception Check. It's perception-check.com. Uh, I haven't put anything up there in a while just because of the, the book crunch and the writing and the ridiculousness. Um, as, as that process continues i'm sure we're going to get more info for you guys on that because uh i'm really having a lot of fun writing about steampunk dwarves on the moon and i i I don't really know how i could follow it up beyond that when i just say that i'm writing about steampunk dwarves on the moon i think that's good enough luke how can people get in touch with you uh, you can follow me really in uh, just a couple of ways. Uh, one, if you are interested in what I am studying, what I am learning, how I am pursuing God, the best place to do that is LukeNavarro.com. Uh, if you are into woodcraft, uh, I have become, thank you, Mike, a Pinterest addict. It's really fun. And it is really fun. And uh, so, yeah, you can check me out there. Uh, I do most of my woodworking uh, life uh, there, or at least my my internet woodworking life, and um, but otherwise, uh, you definitely can uh, check us out uh, on GamesForProfits.com, uh, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, um, any place you can get your podcast, you will find us. And uh, as always, we appreciate you guys being here with us, hanging out with us, and we appreciate you collecting all of the cool stuff in your life and sharing it with your kids, your family, your friends, the people around you. Uh, Because as you do so, you are definitely sharing God with them. 
Uh, and as always, remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.